Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, so welcome, my name is uh, Bruno, I'm a sexolic. Hey Bruno. Hey, Bruno. Hi, Bruno. So welcome to the panel on uh, carrying the message. Um, so the, the subject I can read it is the, the uh, 12 step asks us to do is a, uh, a rewarding experience for the giver as well as those we help. We do this not just to help this uh, still suffering addict, but to help ourselves. This session will focus on the how and when to share and help others. And then I can read also uh, 12 steps, uh, step 12, I would say. Um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to sexaholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, so in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the essay message, uh, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. Uh, if you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate <coughs> by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. Uh, we will begin the meeting uh, with a few moments of silence followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, God grant me serenity. To accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Uh, would someone please read the essay purpose on page, uh, page 201 of the white book? Where is that Okay. Hey, Anonymous well, well, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other. They may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a, is a desire to stop lusting and become sexual, so sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others achieve sexual sobriety. Okay, thanks. Thank thanks. So uh, our panelists for this uh, session are Alina, Matt, and Bruno. Okay. Uh, each will share for uh, around 20, uh, 10 minutes on the topic, and we'll open the meeting for sharing. Please join me in uh, welcoming our panelists. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alina, and I'm a sexaholic. So when I was asked if I would be a panelist, and they were like, all of them are open, look and see, and I was reading the list of the topics, and I thought, carrying the message, I want to attend that one. And then nothing just, I wasn't inspired for any of them, and then when it was, I got the call, the final call, like, which one are you going to do? The Lord told me to do (laughs) carrying the message. And so... Leading my with my weaknesses, carrying over from the other topic, this was an area that I still have a lot of areas to grow and, and still um, want to learn from. I actually um, am from a very small area, 
and we do not, I don't have any sponsees yet. So I haven't had the experience of being a sponsor. However, what kept coming to my mind when it was time to choose was how the message was carried to me and how I am um, participating in my community with, with sharing the message. Um, one of the things I did was to read over in the Alcoholics Anonymous book, um, Chapter 7, Working with Others, and it says, this is our 12th suggestion, carrying the message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish and see a fellowship grow up about you. Um, have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. Um, and the, it says don't start as an evangelist or a reformer um, that, you know, to share your experience. Um, and so one of the things I've been trying to come to accept is just having my experience and, and being willing to share. Um, the other thing that I truly appreciate is that I am... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I gotta trust God. <laughs> I, I trust my higher power. I mean, that, that's who knows what needs to be done. Um, and through my experience, um, I started in a, a generic 12 step group that was church specific. And I said, I want a sponsor, um, with my same addiction, the, uh, a female sponsor. And they went to the area to look for somebody because there wasn't one in, in my group and um, I was introduced to my sponsor Sarah and um, then in talking to her she was like you need essay <laughs> and in the and I, I had heard of essay or S groups I, I didn't really know any of the different ones um, but I let fear keep me from reaching out and um so again i there was there was fear i felt safe in my church group but there was fear in reaching out into um an addiction specific group and um so that that was very helpful to have someone share and and be there through that process and then um there weren't any sa meetings in my area and so, thankfully, um, Sarah was familiar with a, a group that had a phone-in option. And so I was able to participate in essay meetings that way to begin with. And I was really trying to do this right. And I was like, I really need the face-to-face. So I went to a different S group that was established in my area um, and, and did that for about a year with do, doing them as additional meetings. Um, but as I was starting to have a spiritual experience and reading the white book and the, the definition um, and sobriety and realizing for the first time that I was addicted to lust. I didn't have, even in the church group, I was saying I was addicted to pornography, and even that wasn't didn't fit. I knew it was different. I knew there was more. 
Um, and so to have that put right in front of me, that, that, that my higher power told me that that was what I was missing and that was a piece that I needed. And so I shared that with, with those in my, my church meeting. And so, so basically within six months, we had our own essay meeting going <laughs> and we're trying to, um, get established where we could, um, we started off in someone's home who was an empty nester, and, and, and so we had that privacy to get started, but we're like, well, this has to be more than us. And so there there was two of us that, that were really kind of spearheaded and um, got the literature from the international office. And they, they were like, because I ordered the service manual. I was like, because I was like, well, we want to do this, right? So let's get, let's find out how. And when we ordered the service manual, Kay called us and was like, you ordered it. Are y'all starting a meeting? <laughs> we were thinking about it. Like, she's like, you only need two people do it. <laughs> and so to have that encouragement, to have that. Um, and we, our meeting has been going since October of 2014. Um, we're still small. Um, we've had a lot of people move in and move out. And of course, like any meeting, have people show up and people that don't come back. <laughs> um, we always pray for those that to come. And that part is, um, something. And for a while, there was just the two of us that started the meeting because the, the, there were five of us that when we started and there was two that moved away and, and one that, um, it just wasn't coming. Um, but the, Having that that support and that connection, and when there was just two of us, and we did a free conference call number because um, the other person was deploying, and so we kept our meetings going, just the two of us over the phone. Um, and then he he's moved. We've had some others move in, and it became we had people traveling two hours to come to our meeting. Um, and so sometimes they couldn't come every single week. So we had a group conscious and decided to start using that number again. So I got a, a speaker phone adapter for my phone and they, they're, but they put it in the middle of the table and, and we've got, so they, it's not like a, a regular online meeting or phone in meeting, but anybody that we've met that has come to our meeting before that we can share it with. So we've got people two, two hours away, hour and a half and an hour away that have, that will call in. Um, and they come when they can. And so that's, that's kept us going, um, in, in, in sharing that message, uh, with others. Um, one of the things that was also in the working with others um, that stood out. Oh, well, and then how I got with this is um, there was someone reached out to Cesara looking for a speaker in my uh, a university in, in my hometown. And there were no speakers that could come. So he reached out to the local group that was on the website and I was the only one with enough sobriety. And I was like, "Uh, um, what? And our group had been praying for how to carry the message (laughs) for like a month. (laughs) And Sarah was like, well, we host a a conference and invite professionals addiction for, you know, and, and I was like, 
can't do that. There's three of us that's really active in, a, in the area. It's like, that, that's not going to work. And then they set up a conference and asked us to come speak at it. And it was me or nobody. So, so um, that was the first time I shared my story and to share it with a group of professionals. And um, my addiction started was in college and my background was counseling and social work. And, and that was kind of scary because I actually interact with professionals I, I'm, I'm currently a stay-at-home mom but I spend a lot of time um, doing continuing education and things and so that was really scary for me but it turned out it was a lot like a fifth step or, or maybe even kind of a ninth step because I shared with professionals and even students when that was a way that I had acted out when I acted out, that's where I was. And so it was almost kind of making a, a little bit of a amends to them because I got to share my experience with them and to feel accepted and um, by them was uh, very strengthening. And that's where this, um, on page 100 in Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves into God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. And so, I mean, I truly hope that this gets the word out and helps build our group. But it's been four months now. And, I mean, I don't know that there was anything with that. But what I do know is that my higher power used that to help me and to help heal me and to help bring me greater recovery. And I hope that that brings someone else. But I truly appreciate that when we do, the other thing was, don't think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring um, to it. And with that, and that's on page 102, but with that, um, he will bring... I to me as I make the effort to bring to others and um, thank you for letting me share hey everybody I'm Matt sexaholic thank you for coming um, the 12 step in carrying the message has been uh, a delight in my life um, I've had I've had some good spons- sponsees that have really have really lit up my life. Um, but I, I mean, my first sponsorship, uh, uh, experience was like the first, the first time I'd ever experienced any kind of intimacy with a man and actually calling this gentleman every day and telling him what was going on with my day and how it went and what was good and what was bad related to, you know, what I'd learned in the meetings, you know, when I got ready. Um, and we got through step five. Um, and, I guess for three days, I kind of, I was just so focused on everything that I had shared. And we kind of had this tradition in the meeting that, uh, if they don't, if they don't do everything you say, then, uh, they're not ready. So you just dump them and let them come back. And, uh, and my sponsor got very upset with me because I, I hadn't called him for three days. Um, and I was really busy at work. You know, I can make all kind of excuses. I could have called him any of those times and I didn't. Um, but at the same time, that gave me, uh, my first opportunity to have one of those, uh, conflict revolution re- resolution conversations with my sponsor, and I actually got to know him better. Um, like they say, if you uh, if you scratch the surface of an addict, you'll get a codependent. And I could tell that he was angry. He was actually angry at me that I didn't call him. It wasn't just you know I'm concerned about you. He was he was mad because he expected me to perform you know ex- do exactly what he said. And so that was a challenge. But at the same time, this program has. 
has given me so many opportunities um, to recover and and share other people's bottom lines with them. Um, I mean, I can start with the most current. I was on a plane going to a going on a cruise where I was I was meeting my wife down, so I was flying alone, and uh, you know it was uh, Southwest, so you see all the people coming down. If you get on first, then you know somebody's got to pick the middle seat. Well, this this lady lady ended up in the middle seat uh, next next to me between me and the, the gentleman on the end, and uh, you know it was just an hour and forty five minute flight, so she she had a couple of glasses of wine on the flight. Uh, and it took her a couple of glasses of wine to mention that she was going to a uh, treatment center uh, and that it was her second time in their treatment center. I'm like, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, I know a little bit about recovery. <laughs> and she's like, dang, why haven't we been talking on this whole this whole plane trip? So we, you know, those last 15 or 20 minutes, I got to share with her what, what I've been through with all of you. Uh, and what the what the program by higher power taught me, and uh, I just I couldn't believe it. it was just all just blah blah you know coming out everything that I'd heard in these meetings, uh, everything I'd been encouraged by I shared with her. Be willing to do anything. It's like yeah, that's what they keep telling me. Be willing to do anything. I'm like do it. Be willing to do anything. And uh, and so I think you know just that piece of it, you don't know when somebody who is at their bottom is going to show up. And and I've been blessed that those. People like that just show up in my life. I don't know why, uh, but they do. I had another uh, opportunity. We, my wife and I were uh, down in Florida on vacation again. You know, like we don't like to go to Florida and see the beach. but uh, And I just want to play some beach volleyball. So, you know, I'm like, okay, it's this one other guy and this lady were, you know, they wanted to start a game. So, I'm, okay, I'll, you know, I'll play along. And I so went out there and was playing a little volleyball. And we ended up getting into a conversation. And it seemed that both of them had just left their marriage because they'd been cheated on. I'm like, oh, I mean, talk about hitting him like, uh, uh. And uh, my wife and I were just like, you know, so we actually, we sat and talked with them for three hours. They were going to go out dinner. It was their last night in Florida. They were going to go out and have a nice dinner. Well, they sat on our balcony for three hours and had cheese with us and, and just had a conversation just because, just because. I wanted to play volleyball, and they just happened to be the only two other people <laughs> wanting to play volleyball on the beach that day, and uh, and that was a beautiful thing. Both, I mean, it just it's it's amazing. It's amazing how a higher power works um, when we're ready. He he will he will put you in a place. He will put he put me in a place. I'll start speaking from the eye perspective. Um, that when I was ready, the people that he had prepared will show up. Um, and we can go way back. Uh, my wife is addicted to cruises. So I don't think there's a program for that yet. But uh, we found out once I got into recovery that they had friends of Bill W. meetings. I mean, I'd seen them on cruises before I got in recovery. I'm like, I wonder what friends of Bill W. is all about. And somebody explained, well, that's you know, it's the alcoholics. So once I got into recovery, we we're like, you know, I'm gonna be, we're going to be on this ship for a few days and, uh, you know, lots of sunbathers and all that. Uh, maybe we should try the 12 step meeting. And so I told her since it was friends of Bill, Bill W, she couldn't go because, you know, it's not Alan on. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, us. Um, and I, you know, I got to sit in there with all the, the whiny alcoholics who had already gone and counted how many bars there were on the cruise ship that they couldn't, you know, places they couldn't go on the cruise ship because they all served alcohol because, you know, that's a cruise ship's business. But at the same time, it was, uh, you know, I was still fresh, fresh and new. 
and uh, and I got to remind them of the program. It's the program. It's not about the barge. It's about the program. And uh, I would see him on the beach. We'd wave. My wife would have a drink. Uh, but, you know, I'd wave and say, hey, stick, hang in there, hang in there. You know, it's... Um, and we've we've been on we've been to other oh it was one cruise we went on we went to the Bill w, friends of Bill W meeting and ended up with two sex addicts there weren't any friends of Bill W there. it was just it was just us sex addicts um, and we ended up it was a Thanksgiving cruise and we all ended up eating Thanksgiving dinner together you know just from just from putting the effort into going to that meeting um, and being available and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I do appreciate I appreciate the the sponsors that I had and the sponsees that I've had and and what they've offered and we've my wife and I are also in another program where we sponsor people as well and we've got uh, some couple sponsees that we really really love and and uh, the beautiful thing about twelve steps is you get you end up getting connected to people um, across the country and. And those connections grow, you know, friends of friends, friends of, friends of recovery are, are, are friends. Um, I think one of, the, one of the most inspiring things to me is going to the conventions and uh, listening to the stories and meeting the people there. Uh, we just, the last one we went to was in Seattle. And we were sitting in the hot tub, you know, refreshing the old, the old muscles, trying to get the kinks out after the airplane flight. And these young college kids... A college gentleman from uh, from Utah came up and sat in the hot tub, and you know we kind of okay we're in, we're we're here for this, and you guys are here for this, and and they started asking questions. And what was inspiring to me is is that that young men are hitting their bottoms early, and that's I mean I I've been in the program for 15 years, so I wasn't young when I when I got here. I know some didn't come in till later, but. But it's really inspiring to me that that God is working with young men, and uh, and having them hit their bottoms early. And for me, what that tells me is how valuable we are, how valuable. And I, and I told those guys in the hot tub how valuable they were that they were finding recovery this early, that they were in this program, and that were they were going to have the same message that I have to share with others to share for a lot longer than I than I will. And that that was really a blessing to me that you know to see that to see the young younger guys, you know, really really being convicted of uh, of what their lives could be, uh, and so that I mean that's that's their message to me, that's that's God's message to them to me um, as a higher power that that anyone that he it's his choice he can call anybody to recovery that he wants at any point in their life and. He just didn't bring me here till I was ready. He couldn't. He couldn't get me in these rooms till I was ready. Um, but I do. Uh, I, I just love those stories. Those things that just happen. They're not not of my choosing. Uh, just just <clears throat> grace. Uh, and I know I was warned early in early in the program about two stepping, uh, where you work the first step. Yes, I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And the twelfth step. Let me help you. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got to work all the steps. Uh, you have to go through all the steps in order to have, uh, in order to have that that message to share. Because that that fifth step, I mean, my first sponsor, I, I do appreciate everything he did. He listened to my fifth step patiently. Did I get it all in there? I'm not sure if I got it all in there or not. I still I still come up with things that I 
didn't share with anybody that I forgot about. Um, but uh, I do appreciate that first relationship. That was the first time that I ever remember uh, being truly honest and open with another man. You know, I could tell my wife things because, you know, she wanted to know and she needed to know. But uh, to be truly open and honest. And uh, I don't know, I can't appreciate enough the, the fact that my higher power got me into this program when I did, uh, when he did, and has made these opportunities available. So I just want to encourage you that those opportunities will happen. And uh, you'll laugh about them later, but, uh, but the opportunities to share this program are such a benefit and of such value in society today. So thanks for letting me share. Good afternoon. I'm Bruno Sexotic. Um, so I've been in the program now for a few years, and I've probably read the the steps hundreds of times. But it's just preparing for this panel that I something that I, I discovered the twelve step. The twelve step starts with say, you know, having had the spiritual awakening. So suddenly I realized that I cannot uh, carry the, the the message out if I don't have that spiritual strength or that spiritual awakening and for me that's that was a struggle when I came in first in the program is um, was to find that spiritual and spirituality so I, I wanted really wrong about it so the first time I came to the room and it was a very religious group uh, they were all talking about God and I thought oh my I how am I going to do that I, I was confusing spirituality and religion. And I say, I'm, I'm screwed because, okay, listen, I'm a French Jew. I was baptized and my, my parents were a staunch uh, atheist. So let me see <laughs> how I can figure it out what my religion is and how I'm going to do that. Do I need to go back to school and study the Bible and, and get in the, you know, PhD in theology to be able to get in these programs? And I struggled for a while to do that. Then the second thing is, I say, okay, that's not that's not going to happen. I don't. I'm not going to be able to be suddenly religious. Um, maybe for me, maybe spirituality is different. I come to these rooms, or I came in because you know I had, well, I was broken, and I really wanted uh, to feel the void. I wanted love. I wanted, um, you know, understanding. I wanted, so I said, maybe that's the spirituality. I come to this room and all these guys will, will feel that voice for me, will give me what I've never, you know, what I needed. They give, they're going to give me love. They're going to be, so if I'm good, if I go to these meetings regularly, and if I work with my sponsor, they will give me all that spirituality. They give me that love, that understanding. And, and, and that happened, but that's not what the program told me. The program didn't say, you know, come and receive love. The program said, the measure you give is the measure you get back. Mm-hmm. So I had it all wrong. In fact, what I needed to do is really to completely change my attitude and come to this room with a spirit of, you know, giving away. But that was very difficult. <laughs> and that's where... That's where the program needs to to be worked on. Okay, in the program you say have have sponsors, but I'm broken. How am I going to help people that with my brokenness? I'm not. I don't know how to do it, but still, I have to help people. I have to carry. You know, how am I going to do that? Um, the program said, okay, I came in. You know, my disease is also a disease of isolation, so I don't like you know sharing my feelings. 
But I'm sharing, you know, I have to go to this meeting and share. Today I'm in the panel to share, and I, I is completely against my nature. I came with this, in this meeting with resentment, you know, mountains of resentment. And the program say, you know, you have to get rid of the resentment, you have to forgive. And it took me until, uh, literally, I built a lot of resentment from my family of origin. It's not, nothing is very you know, new or <laughs> very special. Uh, I had big resentment against my father. And I had to wait for him to be on his deathbed, literally, to be able to forgive him. Forgive him. And it took me years to get to that place. But, but that was the ultimate you know, decision to make because I knew that you know, if he had gone away without <coughs> me being able to forgive him, so I would have stayed all my life with that resentment. So I had to make the decision, which was which was really hard, but I had to make the decision. So all this, all this thing, I can, I can, I can go on. You know, um, I came in this program, which I shared a bit earlier, thinking, okay, I'm perfect. You know, in my, in my, but the program taught me you have to be vulnerable, you have to show your vulnerability. The first way, the first time I I had issues with my sex addiction in my company and I had an affair with one of my co-workers, which was okay, but someone got mad at that, sent a letter all the way to the board and I had to deal with that. So I was thinking and obviously, I had, I had, you know, I was really on the verge of either I'm, I'm going to get fired or I have, I'm going to work at it. And I remember the first time I came back and I, I had pull, I had to pull all my team together uh, in a big meeting room, and I had to, I had to, I had to admit, I had to apologize, and I had to say, guys, yes, there is a letter. Um, this is what happened, and. Uh, it was nothing, unappro- I mean, it was just two adults, there was nothing really big, but I had to admit that the letter existed and I had, you know, some people in that. And for me, that's where I changed completely my perspective of leading with my strengths versus leading me with my weaknesses. Or, or, or again, or admitted to my, to my, to my son that I was wrong, that I yelled at him and I was wrong. Coming back to him and say, I'm wrong. <coughs> So the whole the whole experience for me of the spiritual awakening was nothing to do with religion. It was everything to do about changing my perspective and relating to the last phrase of the uh, Saint Francis prayer that say, you know, this is in dying that you are reborn in internal life. So I had to I had to kill you know quote unquote you know figuratively, but I had to kill my previous self to be able to rebuild in my new self, which was completely with a different perspective. And all that, and all these steps, you know, helped me rebuild. And that's why I think the progression, that's why it's only at the end, the 12th step, that they can say, well, do you have had that spiritual, you know, are you back into, you know, a strong spiritual state? Because you have worked all of that, you have changed your personality. And that's the question I ask myself every day. How do, how do I do it? It's basically, basically through, through practice. It's through action. It's not like I 
arrive and suddenly I had that, uh, <laughs> you know, strike of uh, lightning and said, suddenly I'm spiritual. No, and I didn't believe anything. But I had to start practicing. And practicing all these changes that I, I talked about. Even the small ones, the small steps every day. But if I practice that little by little, I see that it works. Because if I don't have... I was not blessed with having God in my in my life before I came, but I had to I had to make almost a um, a bet on this is going to be better if I do that rather than if I don't. And then by changing little by little my attitude, I saw that yeah, I changed, and not only changed me, but it changed everybody around me. And changing everything around me, that's what's, for me, that's what's carrying the message. And it's, it is, you know, having sponsors, yeah, you know, uh, talking or just just uh, living with my family and, and with my coworkers in a completely different different way. So the way I do it is very, <laughs> uh, I, I have a little little trick that I use all the time is the triple, I call that the triple A, which is, this, you know, saving me when I'm <laughs> broken on the side of the road. It's, you know, it's awareness, acceptance, and action. And in my previous life, I would, you know, not be aware, but take an action. It's all, it's, you know, I'm not aware about how I feel, but I'm, I'm taking an action. Usually it goes wrong. Or I'm aware, but I don't accept the situation, and therefore I'm going to fight. Now, if I'm really, you know, if I have that spiritual strength, I have the courage to say, okay, I want to know what's going on. Then I accept that I'm broken. And then I can take the action, which usually is a corrective action. But who gives me the power, I mean, the courage to do that? It's, it's my higher power. It's you guys. And my, my higher power, I find it everywhere I can. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm pragmatic here. <laughs> Either it's through meditation, through going to meeting, through <coughs> phone call. It doesn't matter to me. As long as I have that support system that helps me and give me the courage, <laughs> courage to change. And because I believe today that I'm a different different person, or I, I'm still working on it, you know, in my recovery, I'm still a, I'm still a teenager, not even a teenager. I'm still a young, young boy in my, you know, emotional uh, maturity. So, but I'm trying to build a new, see a new, new personality, which would be a little, little better. Um, and I want to to, fi- to, to finish uh, my 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 share by saying why, what does it bring to me? The spirituality for me it brings it brings um, it brings purpose to my life. So suddenly I have a purpose, which is trying to do a little, little better than I receive and try to make a mark or at least a positive mark in in what uh, in what I do. And um, I change job, and you know at my age where most of my uh, um, Friends are ready to retire. I started to, I, I decided to build a company, which is based on, um, you know, environment, uh, trying to, you know, to improve the environment in general, and try to leave the uh, the planet a little better than than I found when I came in. And I probably would never have thought about doing that if I had not been, you know, in that program 
had changed, had have that spiritual um, awakening today. So I'm I'm grateful, and this is my um, this is my experience. So I'm I'm glad I was able to share that with you today. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, uh, guidelines for sharing. We are opening the floor for sharing. So because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not cross-talk. This is, uh, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we or the you. We leave our uh, other identities at the door, including politics, religions, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about, and from the essay point of view, our meeting focuses on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not essay or AA-approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, uh, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Please note that, our, that your shares will be recorded. Uh, in sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. Uh, if you need to check in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with a purple stripe on the name tag, after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chair next to the microphone here on the right. Um, as one person moves to the sharing chair, the other uh, just move over and another person takes the empty chair. So uh, that as many members as possible have a chance to share, please limit your sharing to a maximum of three minutes or less. A stop sign will remind you when you have, I mean, Alina will tell us. Uh, please speak into the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion uh, and the meeting is now open for sharing Hi, I'm Jeremy, recovering sexaholic um, Approximately seven, eight years prior to entering recovery um, I was at a very low point and I cried out to my higher power uh, seeking help uh, he told me then that uh, one day my story would encourage others. Um, didn't see how at the time, but upon entering recovery, I was told that uh, uh, I would have to carry the message forward as a part of my recovery. Uh, at that point, I heard my higher power say, I told you so. <laughs> um, uh Still wasn't sure how it would uh, play out, but uh, um, I spoke with Ed, who you saw with the microphone earlier, and uh, he encouraged me, um, and uh, I've since started uh, a group in LaGrange, and um, we're growing slowly, <laughs> um, but uh, it's every time someone new comes in and uh, we're able to uh, hear their stories and share our stories. Um, I'm strengthened by remembering where I was in my lowest. And um, my story's gone from one of uh, shock, awe, and disgust to one of hope. And uh, that's worthy of carrying forward. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you.
hi, I'm Pal, and I'm a sexaholic. <laughs> um, uh, I appreciate you all's message today and the encouragement you give. Um, it reminds me of uh, something I've, I've told before in our group, and that's um, uh, years ago. Well, I've, I've been in recovery for uh, almost two years now, and years ago, I knew that something was not right and that I needed something uh, I needed to change and I reached out to someone that I knew I was living in Athens at the time and uh, he um, he explained to me that he went to a program that was 12 step based for people that considered themselves sexaholics and I thought I'm not a sexaholic (laughs) (laughs) I might be bad but I'm I'm not one of those people but I said you know I'll try it and I went and we rode together down here and came to um, the meeting on Peachtree in the old uh, Episcopal Church, which was a while back. But so that was 18 years ago, and at that time I thought, eh, "This isn't for me. Uh, I'm not, you know, I I don't need help that bad." That's what I thought. So um, fast forward to uh, a couple of years ago, I really knew that I needed a change, and I remembered that program and I remembered those people and I remembered what I had heard in that meeting that I told myself in denial that I did not need and so the message of carrying it forward was the seeds that those people planted that led me back to where I needed to be and I'm just forever grateful to them I'll I'll probably never know who they are or where it was but so I can't say thank you to them but I can say thank you to you all and to me the greatest evidence of God's existence is the presence of you all and I'm just so grateful for that that I don't have words because it has changed my life and made me into who I was supposed to be instead of who I always thought I should be thanks hey guys uh, Jim A. Sexaholic I just want to thank the panel um I'm going to share two quick stories. Um, the first one, um, for most of or a lot of you guys know, my wife and I are going through a divorce, but we went through a, a long time period of, uh, she kind of had me jumping through hoops. One of the hoops was, uh, she's AA 30 years, you know, so we got married and she didn't drink, she didn't drink through the whole marriage, but, you know, I did. So she wanted me to, to stop drinking um she didn't want alcohol in the house and she didn't want me to drink it all around her of course um i went to someone much with much more wisdom and kind of looking for help he happens to be in the room and i asked him um you know what did he think about that and he said his comment was i um I, you know i only drink maybe half a glass of wine to kind of help my stomach and You know, it kind of led me to understand, well, I can give this up. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily need to drink as much as I'm drinking. And so I, I, you know, cut back drinking tremendously. And so that where the interesting point turns is it wasn't long after that that um, turned out my brother was having some major issues with alcohol and drugs. And... Through Christmas, we could tell he was having issues, and I wasn't drinking, and I was probably, my wife and I were the only other two that weren't drinking while he was really struggling. Um, 
you know, so it, it allowed me to kind of communicate with him. And um, the day after New Year's, he called me. This was two over two years ago, saying, you know, Jim, I'm, I've got a major problem. I'm, I'm addicted to cocaine, and you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. You know, I need help. So I got on the phone and talked to people again with more wisdom than myself, and took him and checked him into a rehab that same day. Um, you know, at the, during Christmas, you could tell he was really suffering because his wife wouldn't, uh, my sister-in-law wouldn't let him touch. They had a six-month-old baby, and, you know, you could just tell he was on his way out, and she had lost confidence. So in rehab, you know, I went down, and I shared my story with him, which no one in my family knew anything about me being addicted to pornography and, and sex. Um and I went through the whole family program with him while I was down there, and it was one of the best things I ever did, you know. So if I hadn't made those choices, I don't think he would have felt comfortable with me. You know, again, it was a godly thing. And he he's two years sober now, so and he's doing well. They just had a little girl who's uh, like six weeks old, a little... So I got a little niece and a nephew, and uh, she gave up alcohol too. So, um, you know, so it was... It was a huge godly thing. The the other one, and I'll be real quick, is, um, you know, at, at a football game, I guess about three years ago, my wife called me and attacked me and said, you know, don't come home. I want you to just bring your, you know, Wesley, my son, home. And, you know, you, and I was like, well, where is this coming from? I hadn't done anything. And long story short, it turned out he had been looking at pornography. So um, I had... On the drive home, he had admitted, you know, what was going on, and we called her, and, you know, we got him help right away. Um, you know, but it was kind of an interesting situation. Again, I got, I went to people with more wisdom and asked questions, because it was very different than, you know, someone in their late 40s, early 50s going through it versus a teenager, you know, because I didn't want to say the wrong things. And that was three years ago. He's doing well, um, you know, but it's it's he's gone through a lot of bullying in, in his high school. There's kids are just rampant looking at pornography, and he's he's been bullied. He's had other kids trying to send him pictures, and luckily he's come to me every step of the way. Um, to the point where two two kids have been expelled from school, um, and even his most recent girlfriend wanted him to look at pornography, and it's turned out she's addicted to pornography. And he's uh, he was called to the counselor's office, and he handled it really well. And you know he's he's he told them you know he couldn't he couldn't go against her privacy. But he did later that day talk to her mom because she was also kind of addicted to him and wouldn't leave him alone. And he did talk to the mom in, in a healthy way. So she's she's getting help. So it's kind of amazing. And sometimes, you know, letting God, letting go and letting God and, you know, not jumping to conclusions and letting things kind of work their way out. Um you know, miracles can happen, and I'm hoping some kind of a miracle can happen with the schools because it, it is really out of control. I mean, it's just, he says he sits in the back of the room and he sees kids looking at pornography all in front of him. So it's it's really sad in that sense, but thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Drew. I'm Drew G. I'm a recovering sexaholic. 
Thank you, panel members, great shares. Um, I want to talk about, about sponsorship. Um, it is a gift from God. And one of the greatest blessings I've ever had to be in a position to help someone. Um, now, the pay stinks, <laughs> but it's a wonderful blessing. Um, you know, I think of uh, carrying the message. You know, what does that mean for me? And, you know, the message that I've learned in this program, I've been in the program about five years, um, is that I don't have a sex problem, and I never have. I have emotional problems. My parents had emotional problems, very dysfunctional household. Their parents had emotional problems. I have emotional problems. So the message is, it's not a drug. Drugs, I can have many drugs, but I was emotionally damaged. So to carry that message of wisdom to a sponsee who has written their story, step zero, to help them understand the why, how they're emotionally damaged, and why, focusing on the why. And then what's the solution? There's one solution. It's a spiritual awakening. It's to find that connection with your higher power, God. That's it. So to be in a privileged position to help someone perhaps resurrect damaged relationship with a spouse or with family members or and or to prevent this emotional damage from continuing in that household damaging children or if they're already damaged like my children adult children are try to try to talk to them when I get the chance and hopefully I can I can get through and plant that seed that may reverse that damage or at least prevent it from getting worse in the next generation. So for me, it is such a gift. I'm here today. This is my first conference. And and I was hoping to find some solutions today. And, and I said, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm here that maybe I can give back. One conversation, planting one seed might be the difference in someone's life. That's why I'm here. And um, but I, I've enjoyed certainly the shares of all the moderators and, and panelists and, and the shares of everyone here. Uh, it, it's very helpful to hear to be a part of this. But again, being able to, to give back is where I am now. We have members in our group. We have about twelve members in a local group, ten of whom have finished the steps, and we've got two sponsees. We need. I know it's a program of attraction, not promotion, but we need desperate people. Desperate people. They hit their rock bottom. We're ready. So that's what we we now know. Members have 20 plus years of, of recovery. Not sobriety, recovery. Why are they coming to the meetings? We often talk about it. They're not here to hear more solutions. They got what they need. They're here to give back. Night after night. Two nights a week, 90 minutes each. They're here to give back. So that's what I've learned through them, through God's grace. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, I'm Ken, a sexaholic. I have an answer for you. <laughs> I've sponsored people in uh, Costa Rica, Germany, uh, Kuwait, and Egypt. And there's a tremendous need, there's a tremendous opportunity. There are parts of this world where you can't say, for fear of your life, that you're a sex addict. Um, 
And that's a very challenging situation for those people and the willingness that they have. And I've had the opportunity to sponsor some people in that situation. It's, you know, and there's a, if you'd like to, I'll talk to you after the meeting. There's a, a it's called a buddy list. And there are people who can reach out to you from all over the world. And I'm on that list and I get calls and emails. I got one recently looking for a sponsor. And with Skype and FaceTime and emails and everything else, uh, it's, it, you can do that. And I do that with my sponsees a lot of times. I'll, I'll say, you don't have to drive across town. Just Skype. You know, it's, you know, we're in the same city, but it's in Atlanta. You can be in the same city in an hour and a half apart. You know? So it's uh, it's nice to be able to use the tools of technology to do something good instead of always something not so good. But it's it's been very rewarding for me to have that opportunity to deal with people who, who don't have uh, sponsors, you know, that are seeking sponsors. They talked about the CFC today, the jails and stuff, but... There are people who aren't in jail that need sponsorship and being able to make yourself available to share your story and to help people walk through the steps has really been, uh, been powerful for me. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, thanks. thanks. Uh, Hi, group. I'm Sarah. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I just wanted to quickly share an experience I had. Um, I live out in the country. Um, I went on a Sunday a couple weeks ago to a local gas station, and um, just right around the corner, we know each other because I'm a local and we're out there. So anyways, um, when I pulled in, I noticed a small car with a very bad flat tire, and um, I pulled my son's car in to pump some gas for him and walked it to the little shop as I passed. I noticed again this um, flat tire. As soon as I walked in the door, I said to the cash- cashier, Heather, who knows me and I know her, um, wow, that car has a bad flat tire. And she looked out the window and said, oh, does she need help? There was a lady in the car with a small child in the back. And I said, well, she was on the phone when I passed. I don't know. Well, a couple minutes later, the lady came in. She was still on the phone. Heather spoke to her. She was on the phone with AAA. Heather asked if she had a spare tire in the back, um, that she could help her change the tire. Um, she had said to me already, like, we should help her change the tire. And I was like, okay, well... She was on the phone, so I went and got my coffee. I came back. Heather was outside with a jack on her car. Well, the car was partially jacked up already. Um, Heather had some customers she had to go in, so I helped her change the tire. (laughs) And um, just as I left, my thoughts were really to my morning prayers. Every day in prayer, on my knees, I asked God to show me who I can help today. And I for sure saw that that was a woman with a small child and a flat tire. And I walked right on past. I definitely noticed. <laughs> but God still gave me the opportunity to help her, <laughs> maybe through this other person who, you know, started the process. Um, and then the very next week, I was in a meeting, and there was a newcomer there, and uh, the the person leading the meeting said something to the effect of, well, um, could I have two sober members to take the newcomer out? And I was sitting next to a longtime SA member who I have done a lot of service with and consider a good friend. And he said, I'll go if you go. And I immediately said, no. <laughs> and the person leading the meeting had like made a little mistake and it wasn't quite time to take the newcomer out so they ended up doing some more readings 
In the meantime, I had a moment to think to myself, so I pray every day for opportunities to help people, and literally out of my mouth came the word, no. (laughs) So I leaned over to my friend and I said, okay, I'll go. Mm -hmm. So when the person leading the meeting got back to, okay, can I have two sober members to go out? This person stood up and didn't say, I'll go and wait for me to say, I'll go. This person said, Sarah and I will go. (laughs) So I went. (laughs) And it was a blessing. And the person was um, thankful for our our shares and our stories. And and I felt blessed um, to, to have the opportunity, even though... I didn't readily accept it at first, and I sort of realized that um, my higher power does give me the opportunities, even if I'm a little boneheaded on the front end. I still have been made able to help people along the way, and um, and I have recognized the blessings that I get from that. Um, it it really helps me heal a lot. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Yes. Okay. Oh, one more share. Okay. I'll try to be quick. <laughs> I'm Kathy. I'm a sexaholic, and I really appreciate y'all's service and your shares. And I'm grateful to be in recovery. And I like to say God has taken my mess and made it a message, and has given purpose to my pain that I've experienced. And it has been such a privilege and a blessing to sponsor people, even though I was reluctant and always wanted to say no at first. And I learned so much from my sponsees, and it also keeps me on my toes because you can't transmit something you haven't got. So if I get complacent, I'm not going to have something to give to someone else. And I take that responsibility very seriously. And as I said, I do consider it a privilege. And I'm certainly grateful for those who carried the message to me when I was desperately ill. And my son is an adult. He knows my husband and I both are in recovery. And he said, really, seriously, do you all really need to keep going to these meetings and conventions after all these years? And and I told him, I said, it's not so much that on a moment-by-moment basis I'm resisting, you know, throwing in the towel and not being sober. I said, someone was in that room when we came in and how selfish would I be then to leave and not be there when someone else comes to pass the message? And so he he really resonated with that and understood it, and it was a point of connection for us. So thank you for letting me share. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Um, that's, that's all the time we have. Thank you for participating, and please uh, join me in thanking our panel. Uh, anything you have heard in this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participants. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. And what you say here, let it stay here. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Uh, neither does anyone speak for SA. Uh, let's circle up and after a moment of silent meditation, I would like to ask uh, Sarah to lead us in a prayer of her choice. Oh, hold on. Before we all disperse after the, uh, <laughs> the prayer, you, you have to help us stack the chairs if possible. Okay. Okay.
<laughs> okay, we don't often do the seven-step pair, and since it's posted on the wall right there, I would like to do the seven-step pair um, after a moment of silence. My creator, I am not willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in my way of excuse to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from you to do your bidding. Amen. Keep coming back. It works. It works. It works. It works. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.